Now this week, I um, spent a lot of time talking to God, and one of the interesting questions that, that came up for me was, um, can, can I be like God? Because in Genesis 3, you see that that was the offer to Adam and Eve. Like Satan came to Eve and says, you can be like God. And she took the bait. And, uh, and she followed down that, that rabbit hole, trying to be like God. And, um, and then I, I was wondering, well, the devil's into false advertising all the time, isn't he? So can I be like God? So can we be like God? What do you think? You're going with a No. Huh? Youth, can we be like God? We can try. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Can we be like God? That's the question this morning. Can you be like God? So, to know if we can be like God, we're going to have to first find out what God is like. Right? Because you have to have a reference to see, can I get there? Can I be like God? So, then I went into all those theology things that we all love. So here are a couple of big terminology words. God's attributes. He's omniscient. Omnipotent. Omnipresent. Immutable. Self-existent. And eternal. Did you follow that? Huh? There you go. I had to Google those words, I'll be honest. <laughs> I had to double check what they are. Okay, so these in theology would be called the incommunicable attributes of God. You want to try and spell that? <laughs> no. <laughs> so what does it mean? Actually, I've picked the ones that we cannot be. In theology, they've come up with through scripture, and I could give references, but that's not the point. We can find scripture to describe all of these things of God, and I'll tell you, give you the translation of those English words into English just now. <laughs> but these are the things we cannot be, to answer the question, so i like right at the beginning, and then we can go home. So, <laughs> shortest preach in history. So, what is God? Omniscient, all-knowing. He knows everything. Omnipotent, all-powerful. Nothing more powerful than God. So that takes the place. Omnipresent. It means he's everywhere at all times. Not a part of God. God's not so big that a piece of him is everywhere. God is everywhere. The full God is everywhere in every point of space, time, all the time. That's... That's something we can't do, I think. is immutable, meaning he doesn't change. He's self-existent. Oh, that speaks for itself. Huh? No translation. Self-existent. In other words, he is just him, and he was always there. And nobody made him. We were made, created. And he's eternal. And eternal goes backwards in time and forwards in time. So he was just always there, and he will always be there. So in one sentence, what, is, what does this mean? It says, 
God knows everything. He can do anything. Everything he does is good. He is and was always everywhere, and he does not change. None of that can be said of any of us. Not even one of them. So we cannot be like God. So, so we, can't, we can't have those characteristics. Those are ones that God cannot transfer to us. Not even one of them. What are the things that God is like that we can be like? So it says that we are children of God. So I've got my three boys here. Where's Nathan? It's there. There's Nathan. So stand. Will you get guys stand? My three boys. <laughs> so turn turn around so people can see you. There we go. It's like some of them look very much like me. Like especially the shirt part. No. Right? Oh, see? It's like Aberjan, that's it. Yeah. Azerbaijan, this this Sunday. Ferrari is, taking, is going to be on pole position. Um, and we hope they'll make the first corner in the, in the lead. Uh, we don't support Ferrari because they're the best team. We support them because they are the only team to support. Whether they win or not. There we go. <laughs> uh, so, my middle child and my youngest one. So, can you see a resemblance in them, right? If you look at those two, they look alike. This one, they look alike, right? So there's something, you can sit, thanks boys. There's something of me in my children. There's a lot of Liesl in my children as well. She can't be here this morning. She's in Zambia. She's helping her dad, looking after her mom that's really ill. But something of us as parents that were transferred into our children, something of our personalities, something of our physical appearance, you can find it in them. So I could transfer a little bit of me into my children, and God does the same to us. He calls us his children, and something of God can transfer to us. So let's, let's try the youth. Okay, guys. Uh, so what is God like? Some other things that God is like. What is God like? He's kind. Eighty. He stole your word. He always does that, isn't it? Somebody else. He's kind. He's loving. Caring. He's there. That's important. He shows up. <laughs> So, he's holy. We sang that. He's good. He's just. He's merciful. He loves. He's sovereign, graceful, forgiving, slow to anger, and many other things. Those things we can be. Those things we, we are not them without God, but we can be them. And those are important. And then I started looking at it, and then, this would have been a very long preach, so I just got one word, holy. <laughs> some other day we could maybe look at the, some of the other ones, but I, I just got stuck on, on holy, the holiness of God. And we sang that, holy, holy, you are holy God. 
It was in the first song and it was in the last song. And what does that mean? What does it mean to be holy? Well, if you look it up, you'll see that holy means it's set apart or dedicated to. But is God dedicated to something other than himself? Is God set apart by whom would he be set apart? By himself? So when we say God is holy, then it's not the same thing almost, is it? So what does it mean? So, and I try to find it. So the best I can come up with is that holy is the description that they use, that we use in the Bible of God's power and his goodness. So holy is a description of God's power and goodness. But it still leaves me without a definition for holy of God, what holiness is. So here's a picture. What comes up in your mind, I know, it's holiest being, like there's the English expression, it's a bit negative, it says holier than thou. Right. Where does that come from? It means that if I'm holier than thou, then I tend to think I'm a little bit more morally good. Right. I have to, I have to speak a little bit different to be holier than thou. I have to get a right tone in my voice. Yeah. And maybe look down my nose a bit. Holier than thou. Um, morally better. Well, that would be a false idea because, yeah, <laughs> I am not. Huh? Why do I look at you? <laughs> Nathan, because you, you're the closest to holier than thou than anybody. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> but morally good is what comes to mind. When we think of holy, an object that's set apart for religious use is one of the, one of the definitions. Um, where was I going? Morally good. <laughs> um, a picture of holiness. So let's get a grasp on this holiness thing. Okay, so here's a picture. It's a great one. Holiness can be seen a little bit. A picture of what holiness is. is you could think of the sun, Right? So the sun in our solar system, well, it's the only sun we have. So I'm trying to picture this, is trying to get a picture of what holiness of God means. So we only have one sun, right? So that, that holds up. The sun is inapproachable. It's too hot. If you try and go to the sun, you'll burn up long before you get to it. So not only is the sun, you can't get to the sun, you can't even get close to the sun. Even the area around the sun is something that we can't get to. But it's not inapproachable because it's bad. It's inapproachable because it's good. Because the warmth is the source of all life on, on earth. All energy and life on earth actually comes from the sun. You see why it's such a good picture, right? It's powerful, it's beautiful, it's the source of life. It's a in a sense, a picture of God. No wonder ancient people started worshipping the sun. Right? It was, a, it was a simple thing. Deduction to go. It's like, this thing is the thing that wakes me up in the morning, gives me light, brings warmth. They didn't even understand energy and they got it right. 
But it's just a picture of God. God is so much bigger than our sun. We now know there are billions of suns around. So if we worship our sun, it would be sad. Um, <laughs> it's not even the biggest one. <laughs> so the biggest one in our known universe is Sirius, I think. Yeah? Sirius. There we go. But, um, and it's just, I'm using it as a picture of God's, of what holiness for God means. It means we can't get close because of the goodness of God. It means that he does give us everything. He's powerful and good and the creator and the giver of life. You get that. And the first time we see that in the Bible would be in Genesis 3. Genesis 3, Moses encounters God in the desert and in the form of a burning bush. It's it's burning like the sun, right? And he approaches it carefully. It's a burning bush. And he gets to it, and what happens? A voice speaks to him out of a burning bush. That must have been such an experience. And, And it says this, take off your shoes, Moses. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. This is not approachable just like you are. Take off your shoes. And he takes his shoes off and he goes, don't come closer. Stay where you are. If you come closer to me, you'll die. There's that sense. And Moses stops and God changes the course of his life right there and then. So there's a sense that we can't get close to God, right? And this, this, this theme continues in the Bible. So later on, the Israelites, they build a temple, and they have an area called the Holy, Holy of Holiests, right? It's a holy place where God's manifest holiness manifests on earth. It's like this little area is the God's holiness. God is there, and the Israelites can't go in there. It's closed off for their protection. And whether you're an Israelite that sort of like surrounds God's holiest area, or whether you're a priest that ministers to God in that area, you have to do certain things to be able to stay close enough and not die. And that's what the whole book of Leviticus is about. So Leviticus tells the Israelites how to, how to be holy. And there's moral good, right? We all get that. I don't have to explain moral good. It's... There's a portion of, and, and that's also Leviticus. But then the other part is all about ritual good. Right. Now, what does that mean? It means they have to offer stuff and they have to do stuff, but to go into the presence of God. And, and then now a new little concept creeps into the whole holiness thing. And it's called, uh, it's called purity. Pure and impure. Right. Now, here's the interesting thing. If the Israelites touched something that was dead, they became impure. So, or diseased skin. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Diseased skin. They touched it, they became impure. So, there's a sense that impurity can be transferred onto us. It's pretty much like if I don't shower, I stink after a while. It's funny, but if I don't become cleaner and cleaner, dirt seems to stick to me. I don't walk around through clean air and become clean. 
I have to do something to be cleansed, right? And in a spiritual sense, it seems the same thing. And God says, if you touch something that's dead, you become unclean. And he says, if you touch certain other things, fluids and stuff, you become unclean. Sickness, unclean. And then he says, you can't come into my presence like that. So it's not a sin to be unclean. It's not a sin to slaughter an animal and, and, and then you're touching a dead corpse and you're seen as unclean. That's not a sin. What's un, what would be a sin is to try and get into God's holy presence in a state of uncleanness. You have to do something and Leviticus tells the Israelites what to do. So, okay, so I can become clean somehow by doing something. And then it goes further. So in Isaiah 6 verse 7, if you put that up so that people can see I'm not making it up. <laughs> there we see a new thing though. Isaiah is a prophet of God and he has a vision. And in this vision... Isaiah finds himself in the very presence of God. And he is terrified. I think if you're not terrified, you probably just, I don't know. <laughs> I wanted to use a bad word. Um, but <laughs> you're not paying attention if you're not terrified. Because <laughs> he's in the very presence of God. And Isaiah knows he shouldn't even be there. So he's shielding his eyes. He can't look at God. He's... He's instinctively just falling down on the ground. It's like, I shouldn't be here. And then this crazy animal called a seraphim with six wings and I don't know what else flies over to him. And it, there's this big thing with coals in his vision. And, and it picks up a coal and it brings it to him and it touches his lips with this burning coal. And Isaiah is like in this in the presence of God, and then he hears this. He says, Isaiah, by touching your mouth with this coal, see, it's touched your lips, your guilt, this, this, is, this is out there, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Whoa, what does that mean? What? A coal? The principle here is the thing that I'm after, and that's something touched Isaiah and he became clean. It's the first time we see that. So everything, it means I can touch something and become unclean. And now something touches me and I can become clean. But not just ritually clean. That's actually the whole package. That's moral sin. Everything is gone now. It says your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for because this thing touched you. I want some of that stuff. <laughs> huh? He can be in the presence of God, in God's holy presence, not just a burning bush. He's in God's presence and he survived because something touched him. Then we see Ezekiel. Ezekiel 47, we, we've heard this quite a bit, this, this scripture. It says, it's about the river flowing out from the temple. So there's a little trickle out the temple. So what's in the temple? God's holiness lives in the temple. The holiest part of 
that temple is there. And the water flows from that, trickles down the stairs, and becomes a big river. And it has lots of trees and plants in the desert. And it flows into the Dead Sea, and the Dead Sea becomes alive. So whatever comes out of the temple now is making things grow and bringing life to death. So it's possible for God's holiness to now leave the temple in this vision. And what does it mean? Ezekiel doesn't know. He just writes it down for us. What would make the Dead Sea live? What would make life and purity to things that are dead and impure? And then we know the New Testament comes. And a man by the name of Jesus comes. And here's the thing. Too many verses to actually put up now. What does Jesus do? Well, Jesus is a man, but he's also God. And here's what Jesus does. He walks around the earth and he touches unclean people. Like, and that person gets healed. He does. He walks around and there's a dead person. He touches a dead person. You're not dead. (laughs) He touches a dead person, which is unlawful for Jewish people to do. But the dead person becomes alive. And the holiness, it says, the full glory, the full holiness of God lived inside of Jesus. And for the first time, actually, people are being touched, physically touched by God, and when he touches them, he doesn't become unpure, but they become pure. And God's transferring his holiness into people. And although this is the attribute of God that describes his power and And his goodness, this attribute can be transferred to us as his children. And that to me is amazing. Not morally good, not better than somebody else, but touched by God. Not something I've done, not something I've earned, but touched by God. That would make me something different than what I was before he touched me. That, that I want. He makes the dead alive. He makes the sick. He heals the sick. But more important, he makes impure pure. Your, your sin has been forgiven. Your guilt has been taken away. And you have been atoned for. What? How did Jesus do that? Well, first of all, he walked around and he touched individuals while he was alive. And then he died. And then he paid the ultimate price. And that covered all of us. It's through his blood that he shed on the cross that we all get touched. 
And now, through him, we can all be made alive. So, God is holy. And we can be set apart for Jesus. And to get back to the sun analogy for holiness, it's a little bit like the sun again. Because if the sun shines on us, he's the light of the sun reflects from us. And if you lie in the sun, you'll, you'll, you'll change color. <laughs> so the sun has the ability to actually change us if we spend time in it. It warms us if you're cold. So we can absorb something of the energy of the sun. So that analogy works quite well, actually. If we spend time with God, we can absorb something of God. And we see that. You're going to say I'm talking nonsense, but I'm not. We see that because Moses spent time with God, and then his face shone like the sun, light of God. Like something of God was in him because it was coming out of him. And we can be like that. We can spend time with God and be in his holiness and something of him would be absorbed into us and we can shine that back at the world. What would that look like? So 1 Peter 1 verse 13. I'm just going to read this. And uh, the little heading in your Bible would say, be holy. So what does it look like? It says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. You're going to have to use your brain. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. So have your brain ready to work and set your mind on something. Concentrate on it. What is it? The grace that I will get. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Meaning, actually those desires should be less and less and less. And that's what you would find if you spend time with God. The desire to do something not right, not in God's will, becomes less. Until it loses all attraction. Becomes easier through the Holy Spirit. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. There you go. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. That's from Leviticus. Leviticus, God said, do this and this and this. Be holy as I'm holy. Now it's repeated. Why? Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. What does it mean? God redeemed us with Jesus' blood. He was chosen, Jesus. 
before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And there it is, again, now that you have purified yourselves. There it connects holiness again in the New Testament with purity. It says, now that you have, who purifies you? You do. It says, now that you have purified yourself by, by how? Obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers. Whoa, love one another. Love one another deeply from the heart. And, a, and then a concept of love, each other, us, loving one another as God's children comes in. So, in conclusion, there are some stuff that we need to do. We do need to live lives worthy of God's call. We can't purify ourselves to start off with. It's something that happens when Jesus touches us. So in a moment when you go, I want to give my life to, to, to the Lord. So if you respond to a call and say, God, pick me. I want to serve you. You need, God, you be my Lord of my life. In that moment, something supernatural happens. And Jesus' blood atones for your sin. Your guilt is taken away. And everybody that's had that experience knows that in that moment, you just feel different. You feel free. It's supernatural. And then we have the ability to walk out a journey with God. And then, for me, the, the interesting thing is, and then we purify ourselves by loving one another. Continually. It just keeps on going. I love the way God works. Yeah, and so part of the picture was that picture of Ezekiel with the water flowing out of the temple. And what did that mean? Where does this all end? And this song is actually written about the part in Revelations that we read. We, we all stand in the presence of the Lamb. And that same river is there in that picture in, that John has in Revelations. And what is that river? That river is us. So in a sense, that river that flows out of the presence of God into the world is us. The river that gets deeper and deeper, that touches everything around it, that brings life brings life to death 
that is a picture of us coming out of the presence of God out of his temple into the world and bringing life around us and in this song that's that part in, in Revelations if you go read that I think it's 2022 that river is there again in the presence of God and the angels sing holy 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 and the people sing holy 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 and between now and then we need to be the river of Ezekiel we need to be the people that go out from here and touch those around us so in this week and today as we go out not only are we called to love one another but we're called to touch those in the world around us and our touch should be of such a nature and so much infused with God's holiness that it brings life to those that we touch that's the people that you work with the people that you shop with and the people that serve you and in, in life and the people that you serve if you in a work those people the people we can have coffees with so yeah this morning having spent time with God and in his holiness let's go out this week and go touch those around us and make a difference in their lives and uh, shine something of God's goodness and holiness that might be the closest place to heaven that some people might ever get is to spend time with you